Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 6. <clears throat> the book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 6. We're continuing with our series of the pastoral epistles, understanding that the Apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to persons, not churches, but to individual people who are acting in the position of a pastor. This is why we call them the pastoral epistles. And in this, they are placing the emphasis of what a pastor needs to know to be the under-shepherd of that local church, things that he needs to watch out for, things that he needs to set in order, things that he needs to teach the people, and things that need to be guarded and protected. And we find our way to the book of First Timothy chapter Chapter number six, we'll be finishing up First Timothy this week and then starting on the book of Titus starting next Sunday as we walk through the word of God here. But now we find our way to the book of First Timothy chapter number six, the book of First Timothy chapter six, and notice with me starting at verse number three. First Timothy chapter six and verse number three, the word of God says this, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of word, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of First Timothy chapter number six? The book of First Timothy chapter six, and notice with me in verse number five. First Timothy chapter six and verse five, notice the phrase destitute of the truth destitute of the truth. And with the Lord's help, we're going to expose and see this idea that God is getting across in these verses here of destitute of the truth. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And we thank you that you are true, that you're a living God who watches us and loves us and that we can know you and that you want to be known. We're thankful for your precious word that reveals you and whom you are and everything that you want us to know about spiritual truth you have recorded in your precious word. Help us to love your word and to keep it and to compare everything we know to your precious word. Lord, I'm asking that you would strengthen us up with our belief and our dependence upon your word now because of the message that we see here. Again, because I know that this is a supernatural act I'm asking that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit now. That you can get accomplished exactly what you want it done today. That we could trust you to do your own work through your precious word. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Bible uses a very colorful phrase. Destitute 
of truth. That sounds pretty awful, doesn't it? Destitute of truth. Well, over and over, we've seen in the book of 1 Timothy that Paul is telling Timothy, Paul is warning Timothy, Paul is exhorting Timothy to guard from false doctrine. That false doctrine is always trying to keep it creep into the truth, uh, the church, always trying to sneak in, always trying to come in, as the book of Jude says, creeping in unawares. The Bible talks about in the book of Jude that he refers to these false teachers as brute beast. That's a more colorful language. And God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is getting across this idea that we have to continually guard ourselves from false doctrine. Over and over, you could see Paul talking to Timothy and said, guard from false doctrine. And then he would go to a different subject and come back. Guard from false doctrine. And then he'd go to a different subject. Guard to false doctrine. And once again, he comes back to this idea that it is the pastor's job to guard the church from false doctrine. If you don't mind, let's examine this a little bit time here. And we understand before we go to here that we live in a time there is much knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge. You have Google. You just plug things into your Google machine and things pop out. There's more knowledge than you know what to do with, but very little truth. And that's what we have to discern. We have to wade through a lot of knowledge that's out there. Anything that you want to know, anything that you want in your own political slant, your own view, you could find, but we have to find truth. And all of this. And so with this, let's examine as Paul once again is giving Timothy a warning about false doctrine and guarding itself from this. The first thing we want to see here is that the standard of doctrine is Jesus. The standard of doctrine is Jesus. Notice if you don't mind in verse number three. If any man teach otherwise... And consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Here it's doing a comparison that everyone, no matter what someone teaches, is compared to the same standard. And that's the words of Jesus Christ. Everything that we believe about spiritual matters, anything that we apply philosophically in our life, must line up to the same standard and that's God's precious word. You see, this Bible is not our final authority in faith and practice. It is our only authority in faith and practice. Everything we believe, everything we apply, everything that we, that we view comes from the word of God. It has to line up with God's word or it falls short. This is the standard. By the way, this is why we encourage everyone to have a Bible of their very own. This is why we encourage people to come with the Word of God, have their own Word of God, and have it open and look through things. Because what is going to happen, or what is happening, is that people will come in, and the first thing they do is take away the standard. They take away the standard of God's Word. There was several years ago, there was a popular book that was out. <coughs> and in that book, it was, it was <coughs> all over the place. I could give you the name of the book, but it doesn't matter right now. 
And in it, they said, we're going to teach you this book in all of our churches. And as we teach you this book, you don't have to bring your Bible to church. Just have this book here and we'll go through the book. You see, what they were doing is they were replacing the Bible with something else. And it may have some good teaching. It may have some good principles. But it is not God's word. God's word is our standard. It is what everything else is compared to. Notice, if you don't mind, as it describes this in verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and teach and consent not to wholesome words. Wholesome words. That word wholesome word is comparable to earlier in 1 Timothy where it talks about sound doctrine. The word sound and the word wholesome carries the idea of healthy. You know where you get healthy doctrine from? God's word. That's what gives us life. <laughs> That's what keeps us healthy as a Christian, is a healthy diet of God's word. It's what takes care of us. Now, sound doctrine will draw people to the Lord and by consequence into godliness. Notice the end of verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, notice this, which is according to godliness. You know what the Bible does? That as you submit to the Bible, as you read the Bible and apply the Bible, by consequence, by default, you also grow closer to the Lord. The Bible is the vehicle that draws us close to God. That as we obey the Bible, as we read the Bible, God becomes our goal. That we become closer to him. We live godly lives. Lives that are lived towards the Lord. Now, and the opposite of this, false doctrine leads people away from godliness. This has been an observation that's been true forever, but for my own personal life, I've watched people who went to college with me. I went to people who went to the same church as me. I went to people who served with me, but when they got false doctrine, instead of making their lives more godly, it went further away from the Lord. That's one of the consequences of false doctrine. (coughs) That When someone says, I've got something new, I've got a better idea than what is being taught by the pastor and being taught through the word of God, their life doesn't grow closer to the Lord, it goes further away. It's one of the great tools of Facebook is you could do before and after. You could see where they were and where they're at now and say, what happened? Well, they listened to false doctrine. And the false doctrine led by consequence for them to get further away from God. You see, this is the whole purpose here. We want to be drawn closer to God. How are we drawn closer to God? By God's word. And when false teachers, they take away God's word, they misuse God's word, they teach some other doctrine that doesn't line up with the Bible, as a consequence, it draws people further from God. And so this is a big deal. There, some people say doctrine doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters a whole lot if the consequence is to bring us further from God or bring us further away from God. That's why it does matter what church you go to. Because unfortunately, not all churches teach sound doctrine. It does matter where you listen and put your attention. It does matter who you allow influence because false doctrine will draw you further away from God. You say, well, how can I tell false doctrine? Well, that's a great question. You know, the best way to spot a forgery is to know the original. If you talk to the people in the FBI, 
The way that they spot counterfeit bills is not by studying all the different counterfeits. It's by them knowing the original so well that they could spot anything that doesn't line up. Well, if you know the Bible so well, then you can't be fooled by false doctrine. That's why it's so important. The greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to be in the word of God for yourself. To be learning sound doctrine. To be soaking it up. To be in God's word for yourself. So that way you cannot be fooled by false doctrine. You have to know God's word to study the original. So we start off by understanding that the standard of doctrine is Jesus. It's God's word. It's the Bible. It's what everything else is lined up to. And that the purpose of sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, is to draw us closer to God. But notice as the Bible now puts an emphasis on those that deny God's word or twist God's word. We see in chapter 4 this. We see the denying of the doctrine leads to pride. The denying of the doctrine leads to to pride. Notice with me in verse 4. So in verse 3 it says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if someone teaches something outside of God's word, notice in verse 4 as it picks up that thought, he is proud. He is proud. The word proud in this case here carries the idea to wrap up in smoke or mist. It means to befog. To make things foggier. Have you ever tried to drive in fog and have that fog around you? In Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains, the fog is so thick that you're better off driving without the lights because you can't see anything. The lights reflect everything. But it makes it so you can't see your hand in front of your face. It could be out here and say, where's my hand? The word befog means to cloud over. And when someone teaches false doctrine, they become proud. Everything else becomes foggy except for themselves. That's what the case here of being proud is that they've fogged everything up. And the false teachers want to cloud other people's minds like their minds are clouded. They want to befog people because of their pride. They're teaching something other than the Bible. I know what's best. Let me teach you what's best. And now they're trying to fog other people's minds just like they're fogged. Verse number four. He is proud. Notice this. Knowing nothing. Knowing nothing. This word knowing here carries the idea of the ability to understand. The problem with false teachers is they don't have the ability to, have to understand the facts. Therefore, they can't arrive to the knowledge of truth. They don't know. When it says that they know nothing, guess what they know? Nothing. Nothing. They think they know everything. They think they know better than the preacher. They think that they know <laughs> better than the Bible. They think that they have all the answers and they're telling everyone that they know the answers and the Bible says they know nothing. They understand nothing. Remember, the purpose of sound doctrine as a consequence, it makes us godlier. It makes us to live closer with the Lord. It makes us to fall in love with God. It gets us closer with God. And so something that is not sound doctrine, something that doesn't line up with the Bible, by default leads us further away from God. And the Bible is saying they don't understand. They don't see the consequence of their action. They don't see that their false teaching that they think they believe so much 
It's helping people, but they don't understand it's bringing them further from God. And that's the worst position they could be in. They know nothing. Notice as it continues on in verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting. That's a cool word. We don't use that a lot today. The word doting carries the idea of sick or diseased. So instead of having healthy doctrine, wholesome words, sound doctrine, they have diseased thinking. They're sick in their minds. But they think they're fine and they take their diseased teachings. Notice this, but doting about with questions. This idea of questions here carries the idea of seeking. And what's happening is that they're seeking the matters that will lead to nowhere. They come up with these great questions that even if you knew the answer to it, doesn't help you get closer to God. But that's where they major on. That's where they stay at. That's where they put their emphasis on. Something that ends up being, who cares? It doesn't affect my walk with the Lord. It doesn't affect me living a godly life. It, it just gets me distracted, so I'm not following after God. They're doting about with questions, and notice this, strifes. <laughs> questions and strifes of word. The word strife carries the idea of fighting. We'll get into this word here in just a second. Now notice this. Whereof cometh. Notice now it gives four words here that describe where false about false teachers. Verse number four, we'll get it the whole. This false teacher, he's proud, knowing nothing, doting about with questions and strifes of word. Whereof cometh. So the result, the description of this guy is envy, strife railings, and evil surmisings. So here is a man, a person, a false teacher that teaches against God's word. And God has already said, that guy's proud. That guy, his mind is befogged. And he's <laughs> busy about doting about questions that don't matter. He knows nothing. He doesn't realize what's going to him. And the end, the result of what he is doing is going to be these four things. Notice this. First comes envy. The word envy is a wicked feeling of ill will produced with good works by someone else. Let's put it a different way. If something good happens to another person, the natural result for a Christian is praise the Lord. God's blessed them. But someone with false teaching in their mind, their brain is sick. Remember the word doting is they're sick. They're diseased. So when something good happens to someone else, they're mad about it. How can God give them a new car? How can God bless them? And they have envy. You know, that's a result of false teaching is when people have envy. They are ill, ill feelings towards someone because something good happened to that person. That's awful, but that comes about from wrong thinking, from false teaching. Remember, good, sound Bible teaching draws us closer to the Lord. Teaching that's against God's word brings envy, brings it when we're, we can't be happy for someone else when something good happens to them. If you can't be happy for something else, that is a telltale sign there's something wrong. There's something diseased. There's something sick. By the way, there's an answer that could be fixed. But it's an evidence that there's something wrong. Notice this next word. It says strife. This comes from contention from the enemy. 
strife. It's contention. It's when you butt heads. By the way, the book of Proverbs says, only by pride cometh forth contention. Only when someone thinks that they're right and they want to make sure everyone knows they're right, that's where strife comes from. That's where contention comes from. You know, if you have the truth and you know that you have the truth, it doesn't bother you. If someone else wants to believe something else, that's fine. But you don't have to force them to believe like you do. If you, if you get upset because someone believes something different than you, that's strife. It's issues. That's part of diseased thinking that has come because of false doctrine entered in. That Christians are not supposed to have this strife. Not if you could rest in the Lord and say, I know what is true. I know who, what I believe and am persuaded that he is able to be able to trust in God. I know God's word and I'm satisfied with God's word. I could trust God to take care of someone else. What a freeing thing that is. Notice as it goes on. He, it talks about someone who is teaching against um, the Bible. Doesn't line up with the doctrine of God's word. It says that a result is envy, strife. Then we come to the word railings. The word railings here carries along with it the idea of blasphemy. It is an outpouring of contempt towards God. I don't care what God says. This is what I believe. Well, that's a problem. That's an issue. That's something that comes part of a problem. So this is part of it, an outpouring of contempt for God. Then we come to the idea of evil surmisings. Evil surmisings. This idea of evil surmisings is thinking the worst about people. That when you get a hold of false doctrine, you're not trusting in the healthy doctrine of God's word. You get to the place where you're automatically thinking the worst of people. They hate me. They hate me. They don't like me. That person's doing wrong. That person, and you automatically think the worst of people. Again, that's part of not having a healthy mind from not having healthy doctrine. This is a big deal because what we believe affects how we behave. What you believe affects how you think. So sound doctrine is so important. You know, it's amazing talking to people over the years. And trying to work with him. I worked with a young man for a while. And he liked to ask questions. And of course I believe the Bible. And I believe in what, I, what we call stick, strict creationism. Meaning that we believe God created the world in six literal days. And I remember talking to this man. And he looked at me and said. You know I hear what you're saying. But none of that is scientific. None of that lines up. None of that is true. I said okay. What do you believe happens to you when you die? And he says, you know, no one's ever asked me that before. But he says, I've been working on a theory. I've been thinking about this. He said, I call it my raindrop theory. I said, tell me about it. He says, I believe that all water has a dust nuclei. That's a fact. And he says, I believe that we're like a drop of water. And our consciousness is like that dust nuclei. And when we die, that raindrop goes into a big, um, a big river 
And that das nuclei floats to the bottom and becomes part of the river. And so the consciousness uh, is absorbed and grows bigger. And then with evaporation, of course, we get uh, the raindrop goes up in the air and then condensation come back. And I see, he says, I believe that we get reincarnated and we come back and then we get another das nuclei. And what happens is the consciousness, we can call it God, continues to grow in knowledge and stuff. And he went through this. And he was so excited. And I said, well, just a second ago, you said that that what I believed was unscientific. May I ask you a question? Do you have any proof about this? Never thought about that before. You know what? Tell me a little bit more about what you said. Absolutely. But you, you see the idea here? He had this whole theory that was not against God's word. And the end result is that he knew nothing. And he didn't realize he knew nothing until it was confronted. And he says, wait a second here. By the way... <laughs> Uh, several weeks later, he bowed his head and accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. But you understand that that's an example of false teaching and how it brings it to the place where they know nothing. And the end result of that, the more that they stick with that teaching and it goes, they come into God's word and it goes against God's word, the result is, <laughs> is that they end up having envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings. And part of this is the consequences of them having false teaching. Which brings us to a third thing here. This third thing here was we see the disputings of doctrine. So when they finally start fighting, the disputing of doctrines leads to disappointment. The disputings of doctrine leads to disappointment. We start off by explaining that the standard of all doctrine, which is our beliefs and teaching, is the word of God. So we need the word of God. Everything must line up to the word of God. Then we understand that when you deny that doctrine, it leads to pride. And that has its consequences. And then eventually those consequences lead to the place where you're disputing. You're fighting against the Bible. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm right. I don't care what the preacher says. What I believe matters. And they come to the idea and the end result is discontentment. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 5. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. Here we come to the idea. This word disputings carries the idea of wrangling. That's a good old cowboy word of fighting, wrestling. You're wrangling. And it carries the idea here that as they're disputing, they're wrangling, they're, they're wrestling with it. This squabbling is a fruit of a false teacher who's fighting to win a following to themselves. Why does someone want to fight against a preacher anyways? Because they want others to realize they're right. And they're fighting against the preacher. And they're fighting against what the Bible says because they want everyone to know that they're right. And they're willing to fight. They're willing to wrestle for it. They're willing to dispute over it so that way they can say, look, I'm right. People can follow after what I teach. No, notice as the Bible gives a description, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. This basically is talking about how bad their thinking is. Their minds are warped. They are convinced that they're right. And it doesn't matter what someone shows them from the Bible. They're right. And they're willing to fight, to dispute, to argue, to, 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 <laughs> to strife, to contend, to show everyone that they're right. <laughs> if, you're, if you believe in doctrine and you believe that God could take care of his own work, then you just declare God's word and you don't have to force people to believe what you believe. You let God take care of it. 
Notice as it goes on, it gives more uh, description here. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. Notice this, destitute of the truth. The word destitute carries the idea of defrauded. That the truth has been stolen by these people. And you know what false teachers like to do? They like to steal good teaching away from people. They want to replace it with their own perverse thoughts. They want to change the way that people think. And again, we explained before, the end result is they get further away from God, not closer to God. We always need to examine false doctrine by not only what it says, but see where it takes people. Does it bring people closer to the Lord? If your doctrine doesn't bring you closer to the Lord, then it's bad doctrine. Isn't that simple? If your idea that, that you have to work your way to heaven, does that draw people closer to God? Absolutely not. It makes them dependent upon themselves. If we understand what the Bible says, that Jesus paid it all, and all we have to do is go to him and say, Jesus, I can't save myself. I can't forgive myself. You must do it. Then we go to him, and we're dependent upon him. You understand, good doctrine draws us closer to God. False doctrine draws us away from God. This is the point. This is what we're talking about here. Verse 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. They steal the truth away. But notice this phrase, supposing that gain is godliness. So they come to this idea of pragmatism. The end justifies the mean. That they come to the result. I know that God is with me because look at the church building. Look how wonderful and beautiful it is. Oh, I know that this doctrine is right because look at all the people that showed up here. You know, anyone could build a crowd. Only God could build a church. You know, men can get accomplished quite a bit. Man can put his ingenuity and put some tricks and do all kinds of things. He could build great buildings. He could pull in big crowds. But does that mean God's in it? You know, the true standard, the true likeness of it, uh, <laughs> the true measure of a church is not in its size, but in its likeness to Jesus Christ. Is a church like Jesus? That is the idea that sound doctrine makes us more like Christ. And if we have a church full of sound doctrine and people who are reading their Bible and they're following after Christ, then the whole church will be more like him. But a church that doesn't follow after Christ, then they become more and more like the world. I knew a church in Phoenix that would send out flyers and an advertisement that if you show up to church, they'll give you $20. You say, well, I'm tired of going to church where they ask me for $20. I'd rather go to a church and get $20. I mean, you could do little tricks and get people there. You could do little tricks and say, hey, we're going to raffle off a car. If you show up to church, you could win the car. I mean, people show up for that. But then what happens when you get them? The thing with the entertainment idea today is that what you do to get them in is what you have to do to keep them. That when your entertainment goes old, they're going to go find somewhere else with entertainment. And then you have to get something bigger and something shinier and something fancier just to keep the crowd that you have. But that's not how God's drawn, designed it. He designed it to be a place, a church to be a place where they're taught doctrine. And as they apply doctrine, they get closer to God. 
Isn't that simple? That's what God wants. But man, when they get in their idea, they know what's better. And they come up with their own teachings and their own way of doing things. They draw people further from God and to themselves with horrible results. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw themselves. So these false teachers, they're not content with what Christ has given to them. What they'll do is they'll fight and battle to gain more. They want more. They want more. And the Bible says, from such withdraw themselves. Stay away from that. So we come to the idea, what's this whole thing about? I want you to understand this. That the standard of our doctrine is the word of God. And that's where you have to stay on. You need to know what the Bible says for yourself. You need to know what the Bible says. Not just depend on what the preacher says. You need to know what the Bible says. So that way you can't be dissuaded. You can't be taught something else that's contrary to the word of God. If you know what the Bible says. You need to know what it says. You need to know what it says from cover to cover. Do you know that there's... The main purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. If you've never written that down before, write that down. (laughs) That's something you need to know. The main purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. That it is God's (laughs) unveiling of himself. We know that the Bible has made up of 66 books. Each book is made to reveal something special and unique about God. So the main purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. Each of the 66 books reveals something special and unique about God. So you know what you need to have to have a complete picture of God? All 66 books. Have you ever put together a puzzle and you're missing a piece? Well, then you don't have the complete picture. You're missing something. Have you ever had a puzzle together and you're missing a whole bunch of pieces? Well, then you don't have a complete picture. If there is a portion of the word of God that you're not familiar with, you're missing a piece of the puzzle of who God is. And if you're missing a piece of who God is, then someone else is going to try to fill that piece with something that's not true. Do you know what the book of Obadiah is about? What about the minor prophets? There's 12 minor prophets. Remember, they may be minor in size, but they're major in message. But each of those minor prophets have a piece of of something special and unique about God that God wants you to know about him. And so someone who doesn't read their Bible through, who doesn't understand their Bible through, they're missing pieces of the puzzle. If someone says, well, you know, I just love the words of Jesus and I'm just going to stick with the gospel records. Well, that's only four pieces of the puzzle out of 66. They're missing a big piece. This is why you need to know what the Bible says. You need to read it for yourself. Because the whole thing here is to draw us closer with God. And if you're missing some pieces of the puzzle, then someone else is going to try to use those holes to drag you further away from God. And it's going to lead you further away. Again, the Apostle Paul is taking Timothy. And he's pulling Timothy aside and said, Timothy, you have to teach and guard against false doctrine. Because it's always trying to come in. And we live in a time now we have more knowledge than ever before. There's internet preaching, radio preaching. There's this and that. There's books. There's all kinds of things that are against God's word. But they look godly. They sound godly. They try to use the same terms. You know what false teachers like to do today? Is they like to use Christian terminology to fool people. May I give you an example? The word salvation. 
What we mean by salvation could mean something different to someone else. We say that we're saved. By the way, this is why we encourage people not just to give, a def, uh, give the word without also defining what we mean by it. What do we mean by salvation? We mean that someone's come to the place where they realize that they're a sinner and because of their sin, they've offended a holy, righteous God. But that Jesus died for our sins and we came to the place where we personally accepted Jesus as our savior. When that happens, Jesus saves us from the penalty we owed him. Well, when we say saved, not everyone means the same thing. For example, I could go to a person and say, hey, are you saved? Absolutely. Well, I could follow up and say, are you born again? And they said, what in the world is that? You understand that the world today can take our terminology and switch it and fool people. What do you mean by saved? What do you mean by this? So we have to define our terms. We have to define what we mean by these things so that way people have a clear understanding because we're teaching doctrine. And sound, healthy doctrine draws people closer to the Lord where false doctrine will draw people further away from God. You say, all right, you spent a lot of time talking. What's the point? My point for you is how is your Bible reading? Are you in a healthy diet of God's word? There's no such thing as if I read a chapter a day, I'll keep the Bible away. No, you need to have a healthy diet of God's word. You need to be in the word of God for yourself. And if there's some things that you're not clear on, ask. Take advantage of things that we have, different classes, Sunday school, different things where we want to teach you the word of God so that way you know what you believe and why you believe it that you need to know the Word of God for yourself. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.